peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Greetings everybody out there in Dreamland. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all for joining me once again on a broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan, broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. And it is my pride and privilege to be doing so. So thank you, everyone of you listeners, new and old, out there in dreamland. You guys are as perfect as the day you were born. Never forget that. Please take the opportunity, when you can, to go to linktree slash beyondtopsecrettexan and choose your preference of how to follow and support this effort in my channel through my social media, whatever you have that you wish is there, from Twitter to Instagram to TikTok to Telegram. I have my own personal webpage, which is podpage.com slash beyond top secret texan as well as my podcast uploaded to all major and minor podcast stations known to man in the western world right and so we are going to be soldiering forward hard charging because we have a huge episode ahead of us presenting the Beyond Top Secret Texan is presenting the Texas Iceberg all things supernatural paranormal and unsolved mysterious happening within the borders of Texas historically collected in a complete tiered list known commonly as an iceberg. There are many self-same lists like these involving many things and this is Texas's own. So let's start. Tier 1 The Lechuza Lechuza is a monstrous witch bird 
or rather a witch that can turn into a bird, typically preferring the form of an owl, but also commonly a raven. Kind of like a skinwalker, but for the local Mexican populations. The Texas Killing Fields. In the 1970s, 11 young girls were found in fields between Houston and Baytown and Texas City. That is the reference for the Texas Killing Fields reported to still be the dumping grounds for many murders throughout the decades. Many of which go unsolved due to the fast decomposition rate and uncontrolled natural environment full of scavengers and insects. It has been described as a serial killer's playground. Aurora. Aurora, Texas is one of the oldest airship sightings as well as one of the most well-documented UFO crashes in the history of mankind. Happening in Aurora, Texas, the small, sleepy town, Aurora, Texas, in 1897 ruling out most conventional explanations as it was seen by the local townspeople including ministers, judges and high standing civilians as well as leaving physical evidence and a corpse of the aeronaut or the pilot which was described as a Martian Comanche warfare the Comanches ruled Texas during its earliest years and during its Mexican occupation and a land called Camancheria they owned slaves from other Native American bands and waged war on Anglo and Mexican settlers for hundreds of years they led two famous war paths which are invasions driving the Texas settlers into the ocean, literally retreating on boats. And one all the way to Mexico City. They were known as torturers and the finest horseback warriors of all time. They were eventually defeated 
through the legendary campaigns of the Texas Rangers and U.S. Cavalry and forced on reservation. Tier 2. The Headless Ghosts of Texas. There are three separate and distinct local legends throughout Texas referencing headless horsemen that are in many ways connected to the archetype of the headless ghost such as the headless horsemen of the east coast black eyed kids B.E.K.'s A internet sensation or rather a sensation of the internet age Black Eyed Kids began after being cited for the first time by a reporter in Texas who described them as children with completely black eyes that caused a supernatural feeling of terror within him. Since then, they have been reported hundreds of times internationally and their stories have been heard by literally millions of people worldwide. The Man Who Killed Halloween. This is in reference to a murder that occurred in Texas on Halloween night in which a father poisoned his children with cyanide-laced candies for their life insurance policies. This was in hopes of capitalizing on the urban legend that held that candy in Halloween was often poisoned by serial killers hoping to murder children. Ironically, there has been only one case of children being poisoned by Halloween candy in Texas. And that is this case. The Servant Girl Annihilator. In the 1880s in Austin, a string of serial killings involving servant girls and an unidentified axe murderer struck fear and terror into 
all aspects and strata of society and was one of the first serial serial killer cases in the young state and is arguably America's first recorded serial killer with a consistent modus operandi an identifiable pattern of killings. There is even a rumor connecting the servant girl annihilator to the Jack the Ripper killings in London. But that is only urban legend. Angel Materino Resendez, known as the Railroad Killer, who terrorized the South for more than a decade, striking randomly homes and families around railway stations, typically with a bludgeoning weapon or a pickaxe. Very oddly connected to Henry Lee Lucas who took a profound interest in his case while in prison. The Goatmen of Texas. There are several separate and distinct local legends within Texas referencing goat men and connections to goat women or women with goat legs or the legs of a donkey. I include all these together as goat men but the most famous of which is not a physical goat man but a spirit or demonic goat man that haunts a bridge called the Alton Bridge near Fort Worth, Texas. Although the original Goatman sightings were in fact physical cryptid sightings reported quite famously by a group of teenagers who encountered one had a mass sighting of it and regarded their recorded and repeated their tale including on the travel channel um, Monsters in America Whereas Ghost Adventures, say for example on the Travel Channel, featured the Alton Bridge, Fort Worth, Demon Goat Man. Both are extremely popular and legendary. Tier 3. Now we're getting a little bit deeper. The Texas Rock Wall. In Texas, 
there is a rock wall that is part of the archaeological legacy of the ancient Texas history. But this, like many strange artifacts in Texas, is dated to be older than all known civilization. And its masonry is monolithic. And it stretches for miles itself. As if though a huge engineering project connected to, say, a urban city. This is not a secret, as the town Rockwall, Texas, is named from the famous Rockwall. But rather, it is attempted to be justified and explained by conventional archaeologists, but remains a mystery, a monolithic mystery, like the mound builders or the Inca, um, the, the Nazca lines. With many explanations. And over 150 years of academic research and speculation that has not produced a concrete answer. For those who are assuming it's just too obscure for um, a concrete, you know, research, it is probably one of the most researched uh, archaeological sites in Texas. The Houston Batman and Texas Gargoyles at large. So the Houston Batman is a popular way of referencing an incident where there were multiple sightings of a winged, all-black gargoyle in appearance flying humanoid that was seen over private residences as well as the Johnson Space Center where NASA operates from. The sighting in the Johnson Space Center was by a government-contracted security guard who reported it as eating a dog when he encountered it, giving it a little bit more than just a passing feeling, giving it a little bit more of a, a you know, organic route to it. But it has been seen many times, interacting with people in occasions such as an attack on a hunter who was accompanied by his son famously reported in Monsters in America on the Travel Channel and researched by the likes of Nick Redfern in his Flying Humanoids book The Visitor's The visitors are the name of the extraterrestrials who regularly contacted and abducted one Whitley Strieber, a New York Times best-selling horror author, while on his a while he was staying at a family cabin 
While it did not happen in Texas, Whitley Strieber is a Texan. Giving this a connection to Texas, as well as referencing a greater alien abduction experience shared by many Texans. As according to statistics, alien abductions are experienced more frequently, or at least reported more frequently, in southern states, including Texas. And that has already entered pop culture on many levels. But definitely check out the film The Visitors, or Whitley Strieber's uh, Communion. Sorry, the film The Communion. And, or read the communion book because Whitley Strieber is an extremely good source for disclosure and the book is way more than what people are talking about when it comes to um, this experience of uh, alien abduction it is it is mind blowing how much detail Whitley Strieber puts in these in this book communion it really is. Everyone just thinks, oh, he is contacted by the Grays, he is abducted, he is probed, he is returned. It is intense. It is a very involved relationship that he creates and has with these beings and that they have with him. He sees several species and is introduced to them in the same lingo and ways that, that I myself experienced as well as many others in this world have undergone. So definitely check that out. The Visitors. Texas werewolves. Texas has werewolves. Texas has a lot of werewolves, and they are seen quite often. Now, the modern parlance is dog men, the dog men sightings of the uh, new 21st century are viral and, you know, many super popular across the web, uh, quickly kind of approaching Sasquatch level popularity and interest in the cryptozoology world from when I remember that they were extremely obscure. But historically, there are a lot of werewolf sightings in Texas, dogman sightings, etc. And Veter, Texas, Veter, Texas, in between um, Houston and Louisiana, in um, the Zydeco area of the Pine Curtain, that is Texas werewolf central, as it were, uh, with a lot of things going bump in the night in that area, I did a episode already about the Veter UFO case, and I did the, I did that on UAP Stephanie actually, with her, and did a swapcast with that. Veter Texas is extremely interesting, with many rural sightings. But there's also a uh, a recent video of a dogman, a reported dogman, from the Rio Grande Valley. So one can assume that their range spreads, you know, far and wide. The Yogurt Shop Murders. The Yogurt Shop Murders are a unsolved murder, mass murder actually, that happened at a yogurt shop in Austin. Now... 
Let me see if I remember the actual name of the place. No, I don't remember it. But basically, it happened in 1991. Um, four girls were murdered at Austin Yogurt Shop at closing time during the end of their shift. Two or three worked there, and one was a friend visiting while they locked up. Like they were going to close up and then go, uh, you know, out and everything. And, and they're just, you know, young girls, and they were all murdered. Uh, some were, had evidence of sexual assault. No one's ever been caught for this. It was a very shocking and brutal crime out of nowhere without any motives. Uh, beyond robbery and, and sadism, etc. And that there was even um, uh, a, a detective who compared the violence to stuff he had seen in Vietnam, in the Vietnam War. Uh, so there's a lot to that. Maybe a cover-up implied, maybe a death cult or a gang hit or something like that. But it was much more than met the eye. It's called the Yogurt Murders. Um, it's an incredibly uh, serious and startling uh, true crime case. The Yogurt Murders. Or the Yogurt Shop Murders. La Llorona. La Llorona is a crying woman. It is a ghost that is said to be a banshee-like whaler or disembodied spirit who is crying and mourning the deaths of her children. Now, in popular culture in the West, she has been villainized and made into a monster or a killer of children, much like a Lilith-type uh, cursed figure who, through her suffering, seeks to kill other children. Um, but, in fact, it is... Uh, quite the opposite, much also like a little archetype where she is like a protector of children, and that if children are in danger of drowning especially, she will save them, and it's very strange that it, it depends who you're talking to, uh, how it's seen, because obviously some people are like, no, you don't, you don't mess with ghosts, ghosts are all evil, this is obviously some fucked up weird shit, and then there are other people who are like, it's sad, she's a victim, she's the victim, because of uh, the circumstances that made her a spirit, so it's all very much uh, like urban legends should be, depending on your perspective in society, uh, what this represents. And it's very Mexican, well, obviously, because it's in Spanish. <laughs> but it's also uh, very much in their, like, wailing woman mythos. Like, there's wailing woman, there's screaming woman bridge or hollering woman bridge. Uh, women in Mexican-American culture are known to scream a lot. That's just a thing. And, like, they scream when they're happy, they scream when they're sad, they scream when they're mad, and they scream when they're confused. They like screaming. And and so it's like, when, when you talk to, like, a Western um, ghost hunter, they don't really understand these cultural implications. But, yeah, it's like an upper Yucatan-type ghost. The Luby's Massacre. Uh, the worst mass shooting in Texas history happened at a Luby's. Basically, the guy had uh, broken up with his girlfriend, I want to say, if I remember correctly. He had broken up with his girlfriend. She antagonized him 
and pushed him towards it even at the day of the shooting because he was threatening to do it and she that was a very weird case with her involvement too but he without taking any responsibility he went to Luby's during the lunch rush and it's like a cafeteria and shot up the place with a uh, with a pistol uh, because they were high not high capacity magazines but you know uh, 20 rounds can do a lot and tragically very famously uh, Texas is known for its guns and people carrying guns but no one at Luby's had a gun and one of the women who was there had a gun in her purse in her car and she had been a lifelong carrier of concealed weapons and self-defense and that day she had chose to leave the pistol in the truck in her truck because she felt that she wasn't in danger like you know, like now that's the thing like ironically Texas law is known for gun ownership is also very safe and it's very trusting and it's very like it's very nice and peaceful and this was a horrendous tragedy that um, at the time was sadly very normal like California had the McDonald's shooting and uh, Texas has the Luby shooting and that is what the Luby shooting is Tier 4. Tier 4. Getting a little bit deeper now. Tier 4. The Cash Landrum UFO Encounter. The Cash Landrum UFO Encounter is my favorite UFO encounter. Then it's uh, It happened right out of Houston. And it, it they were on an isolated rural road. And a diamond-shaped UFO that looked like two pyramids stuck on each other's ends. Shooting flame out... Uh, flew right over the witnesses who were two old women and a child and the they suffered massive burns the car got super hot and got damaged and radiated they were physically injured there was evidence to suggest that it, there was radiation ionized radiation and they had seen military helicopters helping by boarding the UFO uh, to its destination so they sued the government. They sued the Pentagon. They sued the Department of Defense for their injuries and to disclose what they had. And the Pentagon refused, and they lost their case. But it's very important historically. So the Cash Landrum UFO counter is probably one of the best close encounters of all time. Um, and it happened right here in Texas. And it happened in relatively very modern day I think it happened in the 80s I think it happened in the 80s so not like it, it I know there are different eras where because of our place in time as you know living human beings we can't be in the past and that if it goes to a certain point it's like you know it's hard to explain, and thus there's a lot of doubt for anything that happened, say, 80 to 100 years ago. 
Um, so if you're like, oh, this UFO encounter happened in the 40s, like Roswell, and then you're like, no one, no one literally was around back then, and you're like, okay, like that, a little bit of a skepticism that's allowed, but um, but something happens in the 80s, <laughs> you know, something happens like after David Bowie released all his best albums, it's it, there's a lot of validity to it. <laughs> there's a lot of like, you know, even if it was a long time ago, like there, it still isn't that long. Ago. of it. it. It made the news. It made national news. So look it up. The Cash Landry UFO encounter. The Mormon Bandsaw Massacres. The Mormon Bandsaw Massacres refer to the life and crimes of Robert Elmer Cleason, a L. Ron Hubbard-level bullshit artist who went on to murder nice young Mormon missionaries. Sasquatch. Texas is a major Sasquatch sighting area. It's very squatchy, um, and it's very surprisingly so. Not only in the east, in the forest, the Pine Curtain, and in the Sabine River, where it's called the Sabine Thing, which is the border between us and Louisiana, but also in the south, in the west, and in uh, the central areas. Uh, specifically San Antonio and Austin. Now, those are very hilly, remote, shrubby lands, but, but, surprisingly, there are, are even rumored Bigfoot settlements and communities. That's how frequently and well-known the Bigfoot is in those communities, especially by the homeless communities that live on the outskirts of the cities in little, like, unofficial camps and settlements and stuff. It's even rumored that Texas Wildlife Fish and Game have recovered killed Bigfoots from locals who have killed them from harassing their livestock. The Ghosts of Jefferson, Texas. Called the most haunted city in Texas, the numerous reported ghosts of Jefferson, Texas, which is an old Wild West town, include suicidal brides to chicken-wing-loving locals. And they run the gambit from the Western cowboy days to the modern era. 
The town guarantees visitors, if they spend just a few nights there, will leave with their very own personal ghost encounter. The Sierra Diablo Murders. It's a little bit more obscure, but it involves Nazis, thugs, paid hitmen and drugs. Keeps rebooting me and making me go back to the top of the list. I'm trying to scroll down, but it has like a little delay when it loads. So sorry about that. Patience. As it loads, and I can get a little of my somewhere on my notes. All in due time. Alright, it's loaded. Next one. UFOs. I say, I'm not even going to wait for that one to load. UFOs of the Western White House. Yeah, definitely check out that one. It's a very obscure case. UFOs of the Western White House. The Stephenville UFO sightings were dozens of witnesses and radar men of the local National Air Force, or, sorry, the National, um, National Guard airbase provided real-time evidence of what can only be called an alien invasion. Dozens of UFOs were reported over Stevensville, Texas, by almost every resident in town, and including F-16s being scrambled F-16s being scrambled to intercept, although this was denied by local military officers. Stands as one of the greatest and most descriptive mass sightings in UFO history. Dean Coral. Dean Coral is a serial killer known as the Candy Man. 
active in Houston, Texas. He is known to have killed nearly 30 young boys and teenagers in the 1970s. He was assisted by local teenage runaways, paying them $200 a child, where they were brought to parties, given drugs, and then kidnapped, sexually abused, and tortured. This is rumored to be a part of a pedophile snuff ring known as the Delta Project, which operated in the 1970s from Dallas, Texas, Chicago, Illinois, and a third unknown location. Presumed to be Washington, D.C. Presumed to be Washington, D.C. He was only stopped when his accomplice shot him after a murder gone wrong. The accomplice then turned themselves into the police where they located and identified the 30 young disappeared children, but there are rumors that the numbers were much, much higher. The Corpus Christi Object In 1974, there were reports of a UFO flying from the Gulf of Mexico reported at the Corpus Christi Naval Air Station. This object was reported as moving over 3,000 miles per hour and changing direction and altitudes intelligently until passing over Corpus Christi, turning into Laredo, Texas, and crashing eventually into northern Mexico. The legend, because information regarding this is almost non-existent, is known as the Mexican Roswell as well. And in Mexico, the territory of Mexico, they recovered, the Mexican army recovered the UFO object, but then was found dead, dead by Americans who had sent operatives to recover the UFO, which they did. returning it, presumably, to a base in Texas. Keeping it full circle in Texas. Haunted Objects There are many museums of the strange, there are many museums of the occult, and there are many quote-unquote possessed Occult objects are cursed objects within those same museums, proudly displayed such as in Austin, Texas. These Dybbuk boxes and other paranormal items were even featured on Ghost Adventures in the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum located in Austin, Texas.
gotta reload the page. Let me find my place. Find my place. Where that? What was that? Night number forty, I believe. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. The Baytown Killer. I said that that's connected to the um, Texas killing fields of the 1970s, the way it's listed here. But I would also replace it and add the Baytown Man Rapist. The Baytown Man Rapist was a very recent, within the last two decades, no, the last decade, um, perpetrator, assault. It was basically a, a rapist, a homosexual rapist, who would somehow get himself into a position of, of power uh, with men and force them to perform oral sex and anal sex with him um, at gunpoint and it was terrible but it was a serial incident where this was reported by many many people, dozens of men across uh, the Houston Baytown area and um you know, regardless of their of their proclivities or how this situation would unfold through either drug deals, uh, it was assumed even at the best case that these were drug deals, and that that he would somehow uh, spring it on them and like attack them, or that they were actually like you know gay hookups that um, that the homosexual community was having to address that there was a rapist, a a bay, who's called the Baytown man rapist, and he turned out to be a young individual in his 20s that would use a gun you know it's, it's not mine it's not rocket science he would just pull out a gun and be like okay now I'm going to rape you and type thing in that he was um, sent to prison and it was it's it's a kind of it's not talked about very much but um, it's one of the nation's biggest proven like like longest and, and most active uh, sexual assault like serial sexual assaultists in Texas history, even though it, it was, you know, a man rapist. And yeah, like you said, it's terrible. It is a crime. It happens. It doesn't get a lot of publicity and it's usually mocked because of its nature. But male rape is absolutely a serious first order, first degree crime. Um, and it's as serious as if, if it was raping women. You know, going around town and raping women that he met on um, online and stuff, which is is, is messed up. But yes, yeah, so I was I already placed that with Baytown Man Rapist. The San Antonio orphan. Oh, sorry, so the San Antonio lost child. The San Antonio lost child, is in reference to a case. That you see, and, and by the way, this is mostly from memory. Uh, reference from a case that uh, is a child that was lost by a family in San Antonio, and that it was assumed that the family had the child had been kidnapped from the family, right, and trafficked, and but they never found the child, and it was assumed the child was going to be gone for good, and then after a couple of years, a individual, a man from Europe, from, I believe, Italy, uh, came forward 
and he said he was this child. He was this family's child. And that they had trafficked him to Europe and put him in a prostitution ring and given him tattoos and tortured him and abused him. So he didn't really remember his past very much. But he knew that he was this family's child. And that they literally paid for him to come to Texas and he lived with them for a number of months. And they then... Dis, I guess I came to the realization that he was a fraud but he had given interviews he had been on the news this was a pretty celebrated and big deal that this reunion with a lost child in the family occurred but it's even rumored that the guy who when he was proven and, and it was realized he was a con man and that he had no connection to this. He was an Italian. He had never been to America or Italy and uh, had a very thick Italian accent and could barely even speak English. But he, as, but that was part of where he was saying, like, oh, I don't even remember my child. I don't remember even speaking English. They've been fucking me and, and making me speak Italian. I guess that brainwashed him. Um, rape is not, rape and human trafficking is no jack, joking matter, uh, but it's a pretty serious, that's, that's exactly what it means. You know, that's what they were doing. And that's what he was saying was happening. And so, um, turned out he was just a con man. He was a drug addict con man who decided to leave Italy in some debts that he owed to the mafia behind and move into this situation. Um, but he also counter-accused them of being the ones who killed the child. He counter-accused them when he was busted that the family had killed the child and yet he was aware of it. Like, it was obvious having lived with them and that they had uh, uh, proclaimed as much to him, that they knew that he was not the real one because they had killed the real one, and they knew exactly where the real one was. He was dead. Like, they knew where they buried him and stuff. But they were stuck between a rock and a hard place, and that their their whole, like, hey, you're our child, welcome back, was an act, because they themselves were like, oh, shit, how do we react to this? Um, we thought we got away with murder, but, you know, now this is going to make us look like we're fucking monsters because, you know, they had originally kind of even planned to be like, maybe we can just get rid of this guy too type thing. So it's very much a house of horrors, very much a, uh, disturbia situation. And San Antonio is a pretty fucked up place too, by the way, super fucked up vibes, super fucked up area. But it's pretty. It's so nice. It's pretty. Like the Riverwalk. Haunted Texas Highways. Over 3,000 people, or on average, around 3,000 people a year die driving the Texas highways. Out of 25 million people, this is normal, but with that much death and carnage and over the years, very tragic circumstances that have happened on the road, there are hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of ghost sightings throughout the decades, specifically on Texas highways. Phantom hitchhikers, ladies in white... Uh, corpses on the side of the road that vanish, uh, 
ghost truckers, ghost trucks even, uh, lights, the lights that, like, you know, phantom headlights, that's a phenomenon that's reported. Um, people at rest stops, because people die at rest stops, like, rest stop bathrooms are fucking weird and creepy as hell, man. You go to a truck stop in the middle of the night, and if you have to take it, like, a, whatever, you're just in there, and you get that feeling that, you know, you're never alone, alone. It's like, there's obviously, um, energies and shit, and there was even a reported case of, recently, of, like, a woman who went to a rest stop in Florida, and she saw, like, this snake being, like, standing there, like, hanging out. That's what I'm saying, like, the Texas ghosts on highways shit, road, they've been calling them highway trolls in some of the literature, the new research and stuff, because highway trolls are exactly what they are, they're like this disembodied spirit of, um, fucking something, like some higher dimensional being, some evil being, it's not a, necessarily a human, but it's something like a reptilian using highway travelers to fuck with and, like, scare and maybe even, like, take a couple of them and stuff, but is what it is. Is what it is. All right, tier five. Swamp beasts. We got swamp beasts. We got gator men. We got reptilians. We got, like I said, um, Sasquatch that lives in the swamp. We got more feral gorilla type creatures called the Sabine things. The Sabine things are not really physically like uh, Sasquatch, but we do have like things like that. Gator Man's really weird. Gator Man is obviously a reptilian that's been reported all up and down the swamp and the coast. Um, various big ass snapping turtles the size of Volkswagens. Uh, you know, weird shit that's like a combination of animals. You know, like big ass bugs. You know, there's just a lot of weird shit in the swamp. But it mostly comes down to that, like, you know, identified Sasquatches, Sabine Things, Swamp Men, Honey Island Beast type stuff. So yeah, Swamp Beasts, Tier 5, kicking off Tier 5. Alright, the Alligator Apocalypse. The Alligator Apocalypse is a moment in Texas history where it became completely okay and in fact encouraged to kill alligators in fact even the standing order now is to shoot alligators when possible when they're in like you know golf courses and stuff unlike Florida we don't give a shit about them unlike Louisiana they're not really protected although I mean yeah they're protected you know you can't like you know abuse them they don't exist anymore they're extinct and this alligator apocalypse was a few decades in the early 1900s, the early 20th century where hunters, locals and fishermen were just encouraged to kill gators and they killed as many gators as possible to the point that there are no more alligators in the wild there are no more alligators in the rivers there are no more alligators in the lakes there are no more alligators anywhere in Texas except the border of Mexico and they're coming over from Mexico and that's when crocodiles start and shit like that but it's very weird that, like, alligators stop at Louisiana, <laughs> and alligators are very rare, and, and it's been a few decades of them not doing that. You know, we're, we're not savages. We, we, we want them kind of to be peaceful, and we kind of help them out now and everything. Like I said, they're protected animals now. 
But no, the alligator apocalypse. We, unlike Louisiana, unlike Florida, we killed all our alligators. We fucking nuked that shit. Fucking scorched earth, those sons of bitches. You know, and that's just how it was. You know, no, no apologies. It was us or the alligators. Alien abuse on abductees. The very serious alien abduction cases that are researched by one Daryl Sims, especially, who is himself a Texas native currently operating out of Houston, Texas. Daryl Sims is an ex-CIA agent. He's an ex private investigator who is now, or he's a current private investigator, who spends his time and devotes his time to researching alien abductions and getting forensic evidence, hard evidence, alien implants, eyewitness statements, etc. And um, compiling the darker and more ugly side of this situation and having a very serious security minded uh, viewpoint to it. Daryl Sims is the man. Daryl Sims is a badass, and uh, he doesn't take any alien shit, and he fucking treats them as a threat when they are, and and is fully aware of the exopolitical implications of the many different species theory and the colonization, etc. He's fully on, true believer, true um, true warrior in the stance, but he's reported on other people's abuses, and one of which which would be just the rabbit hole because I can't speak about all of them, you know, it's a huge list I gotta get through, is an incident where a woman describes being raped by a creature that resembled a pig. And that, unlike medical procedures where there's exotic medical equipment, maybe needles, maybe some kind of suction or pumps... This was an incident where the aliens abducted her, strapped her to a table, brought in a pig, and proceeded to cross-fertilize or to just force this mating between two species, but ultimately can only be assumed to... It be intended to degrade or to um, sexually abuse this woman in the classical sense of the word. And that is what is intended by alien abductee or alien abuse on abductees. And that can be considered just the work of Daryl Sims. The worst nurse ever. This is in... Let me look up her name. Because I want to get the name right. But this is in reference to a nurse that operated out of San Antonio locally. 
that is known to have killed her patients? And she has the highest body count of any quote-unquote angel of death, which is the term given to medical professionals who kill on the, on the job. Her name was Janine Jones. She was a vocational nurse during the 1970s and 80s. She possibly has over 60 victims. And she was given 99 years in prison when sentenced. And as the story of the worst nurse ever. These are true crime based. The Sunday Morning Slasher. Coral Watts. Active in both Michigan and Texas, with 14 known victims and assumed to be a hundred plus victims throughout his career. He was alive from just keeps sending me up to the top and I'm like I don't understand how that works yeah just or yeah just hold the page while I'm reading it every time I go back and forth on my notes click little links that I put down sends me right back to the top alright this looks a little bit better The Lake Waco Murders.
They are a murder that occurred in a house next to Lake Waco. With an investigation that lasted more than a decade leading to the execution of one man named David Wayne Spence. As well as life sentences for two more individuals, two men, who are now assumed to be innocent. In 1982, two fishermen discovered the bodies of Jill Montgomery, age 17, Rolina Rice, age 17, and Kenneth Franks, age 18, in Spiegelville Park near Lake Waco. Franks' body was found propped against a tree with sunglasses over his eyes. All three victims had been repeatedly stabbed to death, and both of the women's throats had been slashed. There was obvious evidence of the women having been sexually assaulted. Although questions of before or after would lead to stalls in the the defense trial where they would argue that the killers did not sexually assault them, but that was obviously part of the long and drawn out murder trial of it. LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson, himself a very important historical figure being a president of the United States, a native Texan, and influential in that arena of complete politics, but also rumored to have connections with Santeria, a type of occult Latin American or Mexican American voodoo as well as corruption and organized crime throughout Texas as well as even being implicated in the assassination of JFK which occurred in Texas in Dealey Plaza. Linda B. Johnson was also known for his sexual impropriety and indiscretion as well as his over-the-top egotism but as I've said before Lyndon B. Johnson also was a sitting president of the United States who ran for one term and refused to run for re-election given the developments of the Vietnam War. Politically, he's most famous for the War on Poverty, for instilling a national minimum wage, as well as implementing many social policies regarding the education and treatment of children and the extremely impoverished.
the Poisoner of Waco. The Poisoner of Waco describes a case where a woman poisoned several of her husbands as well as family members with anti-freeze laced iced tea. Now it is not surprising or unheard of for women to choose poison as a weapon of choice in their murders or to be serial killers of their husbands, so-called quote-unquote black widows. What is surprising is the fact that most of her victims were police officers in the local police department. And she was killing them to collect their state pensions. She managed to kill three men this way, back to back, before she was caught and brought to justice. The Haunting of the Magnolia Hotel. The Magnolia Hotel in San Antonio is an internationally famous hotel for its hauntings as well as its supernatural connection to the area itself, a legacy from Native American mythologies given a spring and well which was incredibly important to the Lipan Apache, the local Native American tribe. They believe the well sprung from a portal to the other world, the great beyond and that souls of the deceased could enter and exit through these portals or these uh, naturally occurring wells. Although the area is famous for its occult ghost hauntings, it is not permissive of occult ceremonies or rituals to be done on its premise. Although it is well known and popular in the local community to do such during ghost hunts, etc. in the property against the wishes of the owners. Thus, assumedly provoking an even more uh, intense haunting of the local property. But it is available for renting. It is available for renting for weddings, honeymoons. Uh, it's a bed and breakfast, but the wait list goes it, it's very long. It goes into months uh, in advance. Monsters of the Big Thicket. This is a collection of unclass or uncommon creatures and cryptids seen in Texas, including living dinosaurs, T Rexes in South Texas, specifically in the Rio Grande Valley or in the Gulf Plains, um, as well as what they call a Texas Strider. A Texas Strider. 
is like a horse or a cow uh, with a human face and with really long legs, like 10 feet tall legs. And it walks like a daddy, long legs over uh, tall grass and in the trees and thickets. It's kind of like a big giraffe, but without a long neck. And it's it's um, nocturnal, so it moves around at night. And you can typically see it with its eyes, but its eyes are super tall. Like, you know, like it's like 10 to 20 feet off the ground. Um, as well as uh, various other sundry cryptids. Um, and incidences like um, reported sightings of zombies, chupacabras, etc. The JFK assassinations. The JFK assassinations are, you know, legendary. Probably the biggest and most important thing that happened in Texas in the most modern recent histories of, you know, our our state. Uh, probably one of the most important things that happened in America, you know, in the last in the last hundred years, was the JFK assassination. So JFK assassination in Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas, involving very influential Texans as well as very influential Gulf Coast personnel, and you know, and, and the different societies of New Orleans, etc., as well as say Jack Ruby, Lee Harvey Oswald, the governor, uh, you know, uh, the governor of Texas. Um, you know, the, everything, Texas PD that was there, uh, the Texas, uh, you know, investigation into it, and, and into the, the shooting, you know, like, it, it's one gigantic rabbit hole, and it's probably the most legendary historical rabbit hole when it comes to conspiracies. Second, maybe now, to 9-11, but historically... The legacy of American conspiracy is through the JFK assassination. Texas possessions are such Texas uh, Satanism, satanic possession in Texas. So, satanic possession in Texas is known, especially in some hot spots in Texas, as, or some Texas spots in Texas are, are known as hot spots of satanic practice, thus satanic possession, one of which is El Paso. Um, the Texas itself has a pentagram that you can overlay on Texas, and the points on the pentagram are actually the highest crime rates in Texas, whether through coincidence or not. Now, one of those points is El Paso, and it is historically associated with very satanic practices involving the local cemeteries and uh, the murder rates and the crime and the drugs. Uh, it's very um, infamous so much that Ghost Adventures filmed an episode in El Paso talking just about what I'm talking about. That there are cloaked demonic figures which are visible in the cemetery at night. There are people who have been arrested um, actively owning up and claiming that they were, you know, um, 
satanic practitioners or evil or what have you. Now, there are also several other incidences and murders that happen with pro- presumed or outright declared satanic possession. Now, this is typically where a murder occurs, but more specifically where a family murder occurs. Either a family annihilation, like the uh, Patricia Yates murders that happened in a suburb of Houston, Texas, where a woman, a mother of five children, drowned her children while her husband was at work. Seemingly in a fugue state that was blamed on postpartum depression, but which the husband has gone on record in an interview stating that he believes it was satanic possession and that what was occurring was obvious signs of a good versus evil battle over a human soul in which his wife lost and his and his family were victims of such and that he was convinced his children went to heaven um, but that his wife was at, especially currently in jail um, dealing with exercising Satan from her soul adding a dimension to that murder that goes beyond strictly uh, financial motivation or what have you and being either between mental illness, insanity or um, satanic possession you know, so okay, tier 6 the battle of San Jacinto San Jacinto, the Battle of San Jacinto is, is, you know, very complex, but it's when Texas got its independence from Mexico. Uh, when we became the Texas Republic of Texas, we became an independent nation. Um, it was a bloodbath, but it was, you know, we won, obviously, Texas won, but it was very strange how it played out, and if you, it's a rabbit hole, and if you research it with open eyes... You can see there's a lot of conspiracy shit that stands out immediately. Like, um, Santa Ana and Stephen F. Austin, or Sam Houston, one of those who I remember, uh, shook hands and made a deal for Texas's independence, like, you know, peacefully, without Santa Ana facing any punishment, because they were Freemasons, um, we basically, as a military force, caught them napping, quote-unquote, and it was a great slaughter uh, where a under-manned, under, uh, under-gunned force of local revolutionaries were able to beat the big imperial power because they were caught basically sleeping, and we killed them in their sleep, and it was this big, massive rout, and then we chased them into a lake, uh, and then killed them in the swamp and lake. Like, we drowned them, or we stabbed them, and it was this big, brutal bloodshed thing, right? Um, you know, that's how war is. But, um, there's a huge statue there. So there's a Battle of San Jacinto, but the Freemasonic angles, uh, think of a Sam Houston who got shot, like, three times during it. Like, he got, he was literally pulled into the field of the dead, where, they, you know, the casualties were getting stacked, and they put Sam Houston in this field because they thought he was dead 
and then he woke up and shit like that and you're like what the fuck yeah he's like they thought he was dead you know and then he woke up and San, the battle of San Jacinto is weird like I said it's hard to explain I don't want to go too too much and like waste all my time explaining this it's a rabbit hole I could do entire episodes on the Texas history in, in um, especially in that era just how weird it was but yeah battle of San Jacinto where we uh, Texas won Texas uh, beat, defeated the Mexican army defeated Santa Ana and uh, defeated him so so powerfully so strongly that it crushed the the Mexican military uh, for a number of decades and that allowed the, Texas to become an independent nation eventually establish itself politically defeat the Comanche and um, Santa Ana then invaded again I think it was like 30 years later he then tried to invade again after rebuilding his forces and that caused the Mexican-American War and that caused us, you know, joining America and everything because, you know, for other reasons. And even then, the Mexican-American War is also fucking weird. Like I said, Santa Ana is a Mason. Uh, Alexander Hamilton was a Mason. I think that's not Alexander Hamilton who was the president. Um, I forget who was the president during that time. Um, Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson was a president. Was the president during that time? Andrew Jackson was a Mason, and shit like that. And Andrew Jackson and Santa Anna, uh, they knew each other and they bribed each other. Like he had Santa Anna had American money, in in his uh, personal vault and stuff like that, his personal safe, because he was being paid by the Americans to let the Americans win the war, and um, America took over Mexico effectively after that war, because Mexico attacked Texas because they wanted the border to be at the Nueces River and we wanted the border to be at the Rio Grande River and they sent troops in what was effectively they, they drew first blood effectively on American soil. The whole thing is a false flag. It's very strange and all war is built on a lie and it's very much a Freemasonic war. It's one of the first, for example, Freemasonic, absolute psyop false flag wars Complete military adventurism. Crazy shit. Marfa Lights. The Marfa Lights are famous as a unknown natural um, illumination phenomenon, like the light shows that happen all around the world. Uh, this is our very own. It's in the middle of West Texas, in the fucking middle of nowhere, Marfa. And it's not linked to seismic activity. There's no fault lines out there. It's not linked to swamp gas. There's no swamps out there. It's desert. What could it be? Ball lightning? Maybe. It's so common and historically so actively reported that they thought they were just Indians. They thought they were Native Americans making campfires out there until they realized that there were no Native Americans left in the area. As they, like, for, for decades, there was just assumed that they were Native Americans in the distance because it's West Texas and there's like hundreds and hundreds of miles of nothing. You know, it's thousands and fucking millions of miles of nothing. And I thought, well, surely it's the light reflected off Indian campfires. And then they realized, no, like in the modern day, they were like, no, there's no Native Americans out there. It's, it's literally nothing. Like, where are those lights coming from? But you can go out there even today and see the Marfa lights. There's also the Marfa hum, and people out there hear a hum, like the Taos hum, and like hums across the world, 
Uh, there's a lot going on, maybe underground, just, just right below our feet where we can't see. Tier 7. Gruesome Texas Serial Killers. This is like Henry Lee Lucas. This is like uh, the Sundown Killer. This is like uh, the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, who is originally from El Paso. This is like, uh, you know, all of all the other assorted famous serial killers as a genre and that arise or come from Texas which itself Texas has a history of psychopathic murderers like I said our, the first serial killer like, you know probably ever in American history was in the 1880s in Austin um, something about Texas is very very dark it's like Kansas in that kind of way where strangely enough there's more stories about portals to hell murders, satanic cults, and crime, and shit, then you would think that a state with so little to going on would be able to get up to. But, every decade seems to spawn not only one, but a multitude of nameable uh, serial killers, and with, like, gimmicks, and, a, like, M.O.s, and shit like that. And, like, from the Candyman killer to Henry Lucas, the highway killer, uh, to, uh, you know, all the different fucking, you know, just small-time pedophile murderers and shit like that who make this state a fucking nightmare. And, obviously, for the people, the victims involved, hell on earth. And then that's really all there is to say about that. All the gruesome fucking Texas serial killers throughout history for whatever motivation or reason or shit that they did or what they got up to or how they did it it's just a catch all term in Texas there's a lot of them there is there's a fuckload of them targeted individuals targeted individuals of course, are everywhere. It's an international phenomenon, and it's across all 50 states in America. Uh, but there is a group targeted individuals, uh, you know, rights or um, um, it's a community, it's a group, it's an activist group, right? Where they are trying to legally advocate and and protest the targeted individual attacks on them by the government, the electronic harassment, the gang stalking, etc. And this group, which is centered in Houston, Texas, is famous for putting flyers and posters in the subway, on buses, on bus stops, you know, in official in official public spaces. And for flyering and for pro, like, you know, forming little rallies and having little, like, you know, activist sessions in public. 
and it's it's very much a Texas thing that you know what we don't just lay down and take it we fight back we fight for our rights it ain't right that it's happening to us and we're not victims we're not nature's victims you know and that's the thing like ironically everyone thinks we're savages but really we are just conscientious local minded good men and women who seek peaceful solutions political solutions we have a right to exist we have a right to protest we have we have a lot of rights and we need to revalue our rights we use our rights regardless if the public the new world order shill machine and and shekel empire is telling us we are crazy or not if it we believe it we believe it and through Texas, you get some of the best grassroots activism, some of the best Sasquatch cryptozoology groups, some of the best ghost hunting groups, some of the best UFO cases and reports, is because Texans tell the truth. More than any other state, we have integrity and we have pride, and we have a system of loyalty based on ourselves and our community, regardless if we are related or not, that we still have a sense of neighborly uh, of neighborly uh, love and stuff like that uh, to Texans, specifically for Texans. Even in big cities, even in big cities, it's not completely whitewashed and bland and watered down where the human spirit is killed and replaced with herd mentality and fear and cuckoldry and stuff like that. That, like I said, if you push us, we will push you right the fuck back. If you hit us, we'll hit you right the fuck back. And in that last decade, I believe it began in 2012 and moved on. It was kind of a golden age before the whole pandemic and coronavirus bullshit. But, yeah, like, tech targeted individuals, you could find posters saying, like, hey, are you a targeted individual? This is bullshit. You know, come to our meetings or rallies and stuff and, like, get, get wise on the literature. Know your rights type thing, learn the reality of it. Texas Demons. Like I said, yeah, this was a catch-all term for, like, the Goatman and the, the Alton Bridge and different demons reported everywhere in Texas and in special areas. Um, like I said, Texas is a very dark place. It has a lot of occult origins and things, and one of the weirdest and most occult places is known as the Illuminati Hotel. It was featured in a program known as Buzzsaw TV, and I personally stayed there to have sex with my wife on our honeymoon in 2012. It's called the Hotel Zaza. The Hotel Zaza, which is obviously the Hotel Zuzu, the Pazuzu, The Zul, right? Very occult. It has paintings that are obviously monarch MK Ultra occult triggers. It has blood red carpeting, so it looks like the shining. It has extremely comfortable beds and height of luxury location and real estate. It's an incredible place. Really is. But it's pure evil, and you can feel like it's 
demonic in that it has everything from cow skulls to pictures of, like, children, Marilyn Monroe prints and stuff like that. Like, clearly, it's like this weird Americana MK Ultra Illuminati Texan experience. And it's very famous for, like, a limo it has, like, bullhorn. So it has that very, like, this is what, this is... And Houston is the fourth largest city in America, and it's probably the best hotel in Houston. Arguably. Just for character and everything, it's, it's an extremely good hotel. So the different demons report in Texas. The Lubbock Lights. The last entry. The last entry in the Texas iceberg. We are at the end. The Lubbock Lights. The Lubbock Lights is a UFO sighting that happened in Lubbock outside of Texas Tech involving several professors, engineering students, and other high intellectuals well standing citizens involved with the university and with um, Lubbock in West Texas which is also a very conservative sober minded community by the way they are a dry county for example like that kind of area um, especially at that time and they reported over a series of nights flying formations of UFOs in the dozens and hundreds of patterns including taking photographs of them which were published in newspapers and mainstream newspapers during the height of the 1950s UFO flaps this was when the UFOs were flying over Washington DC this is when they were flying over LA this is when they were flying over all major cities and everyone was having quote-unquote UFO flying saucer fever. So it gets shuffled into it. It gets it's considered uh, obscure and relegated to kind of like a second uh, look, you know, a second tier in terms of these 1950s mass UFO sightings with like physical evidence and, you know, important you know, observers. I think only because it happened in Lubbock. I think only because it happened in Texas that people don't give a shit about it. And, and the same thing happened in Washington, D.C. The same thing happened in Phoenix, Arizona in 1997. The same thing happened in Los Angeles in 1945. Or 1940, yeah, five. Um, the thing with those is that they were major cities. Lubbock's a very little, sleepy, tired town. You know, it's not small, actually. It's actually very major in the area. It's a major central community hub. But it's not New York. It's not Washington, D.C. You know, it's not Dallas, even. It's not Houston, even. It's not Austin, even. It's Lubbock. But just like the Stevensville encounter, it's a case where a small town became ground zero for fleets of UFOs, most likely connected to the secret space program, run by the military-industrial complex of Earth, as well as America's military, 
which is heavily, heavily involved in Texas. And they were flying around, getting that stuff off the ground, kicking tires, lighting fires, quick turn and burns. But the remote West Texas desert, which is like itself an ocean, it can hide you, and there is no place to hide there. Keep that in mind. What can hide you can give you no place to hide. So look into the Lubbock Lights if you would like to see a very obscure but incredible mass UFO sighting from the golden age of UFOs. And that will complete the Texas iceberg. Thank you all very much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you guys do research and do the homework. Follow those leads that they interested you. I hope that this episode educated and entertained Thank you all very much. Been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. You've been listening to Beyond Top Secret Texan. Broadcasting to you from the third coast that goes to with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. It's my pride and privilege to be doing so. Thank you, each one, every, every one of you. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. God bless you and your families. Peace out. <laughs>